All right, listen. We're not going to put the kids slide up. I will let the kids know. We're going to go a little bit late today. It's just what's happening. And I don't want to cut them off too early, all right? So um, I love you guys. You got this. All right. You got this. this. I'll just use this to heckle you. You got so, this. Am I good? Yep, you're good. Okay, thank you. So I want to say thank you, Jesse. I just wanted to sit there until you just said more wonderful things about me. Like, waited as long as possible. Um, I am really grateful to be able to speak to you tonight. Uh, Jesse and I got together for coffee, and he showed me that he told me that he had seen me speaking. So I was bold enough to ask him, like, "Hey, I love First Corinthians three. Can I share that one?" He's like, "Yes." And 1 Corinthians 3 is what we're talking about tonight. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's fire. There's so much good stuff in 1 Corinthians 3. It wraps up 1 Corinthians 1, 2, then it just wraps in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 4. I don't even know what's back beyond that part. This is so good. So um, when I was a kid, I grew up on a farm, and we had this huge apple tree out in our field. It was a Gravenstein apple tree. It was enormous. And it had our tree fort in it. And we spent hours in that Gravenstein apple tree. The, the apples were phenomenal. Great, big, juicy apples. And we had a milk cow named Snookums. She was a white Holstein. She had a couple of black spots. She was almost all white. My brothers picked her out from the dairy farm that my grandfather had, and we milked her twice a day and other cows. Well, if you know anything about dairy cows, they have an enormously long tongue. It's amazing what cows, how long their tongue is, and it's like sandpaper. So this cow would walk under the Gravenstein apple tree, and she would reach up with her amazing tongue, grab a branch from the tree, and then shake this branch. And it was about this time of year that the apples come raining down in the field. Now the other, we had six acres, the other animals would hear the sound of the apples thudding on the ground and they would come running. We had horses, some beef cows, a couple of donkeys sometimes, all kinds of different animals. They would come running and they'd start eating the apples that Snookums had knocked to the ground for everybody. Nothing can make you want an apple more than watching a horse bite the apple in half and just the juice and slobber coming out. It was amazing. Really wanted you to, made you want to eat that apple. So tonight, I'm just shaking the tree. I'm Snookums. Hopefully something delicious and nutritious falls into your hands that you can use for your life, that God can use in you to cause you to grow and mature. So can you hold your hands like this out? We're going to pray. Holy Spirit, you are in charge tonight. So grateful to you, Holy Spirit, for the things that you've shown me in this chapter. And I believe that you want to feed this beautiful congregation with. And I trust that 
whatever comes out of my mouth, you will translate, you will initiate good things for the people who are here to hear it. And you'll cause them to grow, mature, and you'll bless their lives with your word because you promise that your word will not return void. It'll accomplish the things that you set out for it to accomplish. So I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, first thing I'm going to do is read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 3. Now, it really only takes about four minutes, okay? So it's not as short as a TikTok video, but hopefully your attention span will stay with me through the whole thing, okay? Can we do that? All right, let's read it. 1 Corinthians 3, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? After all, was Apollo? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are God's, for, sorry, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved as though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, as it is written, catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. 
So then no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. That's the word of God. So we're going to break that down into three sections tonight. Number one, I just said the name of my game, not the name of the, oh yeah, 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 sorry. Unity, let's pray for unity. Number two, the right foundation and the right building materials. And the third section is knowing Papa is wisdom. So we're going to start with a, a game. So I, I lead the men's group here called Man Alive. We started in 2020, and we've been going every single Monday night. We've taken a few off, very few, but I see a couple of Man Alive men here. Yes, good man. I want to invite you all out. Monday night, 6.30 p.m., we meet right over here, have dinner together, and then we do the men's group. Uh, every week we play a game. So it wouldn't be like Phil speaking if we didn't play a game. Okay? And here's the prize. Jalapeno beef jerky. Okay? Now this is a game for both men and women, but there are some rules. Now the, the game is called Pennies from Heaven. No, no, it's, thank you, pennies, plural, from heaven, penny is from heaven, but penny, we do appreciate you, we love you. Okay, the game is this, you have to look in your pockets, only pockets, not purses, purses don't count, women have these bottomless reserves of purses, they can find, you know, all kinds of things in them, so it's pennies only, and we're going to make stacks up here on the stage. If you have a penny or any change in your pocket, please pull it out of your pocket and bring it up here and put it on the stage right now. Ready, set, go. Pennies. Pennies, quarters, dimes, nickels, half dollars. Pennies, change. I think you're right. Oh! Put it right here on stage. Yeah, Daniel. Is that it? That's amazing. I was really hoping I could keep this beef jerky for myself. Daniel, come on back, man. You get to take your change home, and you get the prize. Congratulations, my friend. You just won your first Man Alive game. Please take the change. Now, that really actually illustrates something better than I expected it to. And that is, how many of you remember like maybe five years ago, six years ago, you'd have change in your pocket? I remember I'd pay, I mean, you'd lay pennies down to make exact change. None of us are carrying change anymore, but did we notice that change happening? Or did it just kind of creep into our lives? We didn't really see it coming but it just came. 
How many of us um, see changes happening in the church today? Maybe some of these changes are happening slowly. Some of the things that I think I, that, that I'm beginning to notice in the church, having lived for a while, are actually very, very exciting to me. And when Paul talks about in the first, chap, first paragraph of our text, he talks about divisions in the church. He's addressing the church of a city. So he's not saying, hey, to the Baptist church in Corinth, to the Pentecostal church in Corinth, to the Episcopalian church in Corinth. He's talking to the entire church in Corinth, helping them to understand that they need unity in their church. Well, it wasn't too long after Paul lived and died that the church began to be divided and segregated. You could become a, 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 a Catholic. Uh, I grew up Catholic. I remember when I became a, a, I was born again as a Catholic, my dad threatened to disown me from the family because I was leaving the Catholic Church. There was that division. But today there's more unity, I think, among the church than I've seen in years and years. We see groups meeting at the beach, and no one knows who goes to church where. There's Calvary, there's... I mean, there's, who can name all the churches? But there's so much unity taking place, and I'm extremely encouraged by that. There's so much unity among the church now. Jesus said, any kingdom that fights against itself is reduced to ruin. Any family or community splintered by strife will fall apart. That's in Matthew 12, 25. The application for this brief section of Scripture is pray for the church of your community. Pray for the church of your community. We need to pray for the church of Costa Mesa. I'm praying for the church of Huntington Beach all the different locations that this one body meets in. Pray for our community of believers that the divisions that are among us would begin to fall and be, be no more. They would disappear. I remember um, when I was an early Christian, uh, early in my Christian life, I was a plumber and I was uh, working on a new construction on a house. I was under the house working on the house. And it happened to be that this was a national day of prayer. Well, on this job site, there were a couple of guys, and, and, and really in my early days, I would share Jesus with everyone. I was constantly talking about Jesus. Actually, I was the, the plumber in the job shack that always talked too much. So, made a switch, not a plumber anymore. But there were a couple of guys that found out who the Christians were, and they made it a point to persecute those Christians. They were obnoxious, really went after the guys that were, that were Christians. But on this one particular day, it was the National Day of Prayer, and <laughs> I took my lunch under the house. And 
And I decided, actually, I don't even think I had lunch that day. I think I fasted lunch that day. It was a national day of prayer. I prayed for a full half hour in the dark, in the dirt, under this house. And I knew that I was praying with people around the nation, that all the divisions among us had been laid down. We were all praying together as one church. And when I came up out from underneath that house, I met both of those two guys. They happened to be working on the house that I had been working on. And there was an absolute transformation in the way that they acted. They were kind. They were actually smart and generous, personally. They weren't obnoxious and mean. And the lesson that I took away from that is when the divisions in the church finally do fall and we do come together as one body with one purpose, seeing Jesus revealed on the earth, it's going to be a blowout. The enemy has divided us and, and kept us separate for too long. It's time. It's time. Who agrees with me that it's time? It's time. So that's the, the application of that on a corporate level. I think there's also an application here on a personal level. Some people that I know that I love are like my dad was back, back in the day. They are strict about the people that they associate with and the leaders that they'll follow. As a matter of fact, some of these leaders that they follow have specific doctrines that are unique to that group. And it's a way that they've been able to segregate these people into groups on their own. And they're encouraged to try to proselytize others into this group by believing this, these specific kinds of doctrines. And I'm being vague on purpose. I want to warn you, maybe the people that are watching, I don't know, if any in this room have this situation in their lives. If there are people, leaders, that are trying to draw you in through specific doctrines that only they prescribe to, I want to caution you that those leaders may be trying to control you. And those people who are in those groups, they lift their leaders up. And I think when Paul is, is talking here about you know, uh, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. The people in Corinth at that time were lifting their leaders up, deity status. They maybe felt empty of themselves, empty in themselves. They needed a boost in their ego. So they're saying, hey, the guy, the guy that I follow has more authority. He's got the right doctrines that I want to follow. I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Peter. Hey, I only follow Christ. Well, Paul is saying... And it's the word for anyone that's a part of a group that's controlling them. Who's Paul? Who's Apollos? Who's Peter? What are they other than just men who are building the church, who are speaking words of life? We're all servants on the same level. So if that's your story, would you consider... Would you consider 
looking, taking a hard look at the group and its exclusiveness, would you consider look at the body of Christ as a whole and joining, how can I say that? Not joining. Listen. Listen to your gut. And, and I'm, this is so important for, for people in my life that I love. Listen to your gut and listen to those that love you. Okay? I'm going to leave that one right there. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11 says, Therefore, if, any, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or in vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That's the key to being joined with one another, looking to the interests of others, not to your own interests as well. Okay, let's go to the second step, verses 10 through 16. This is my favorite part of this scripture. It the right foundation and the right building materials. So Paul says, he says, as a master craftsman, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. What was that foundation that he's talking about? Let's read that again. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay the found, any foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So what is that foundation? For many of us here, that's plain, that it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. But what does that mean, really? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why the crucifixion? And I determined when... When I read through this, um, the first time I read through 1 Corinthians 3, actually even before uh, we determined that I was going to speak about it, I read it on an airplane. And Holy Spirit came upon me so powerfully, I was weeping. I'm glad the lights were dimmed on the airplane. Because <laughs> I'm sitting in my seat and I'm weeping through this scripture. And the thing that was so impacting to me was the impact that the gospel of Jesus had on, on me when I was 18, 17 years old in the Catholic Church. Our nun was a Pentecostal, charismatic nun, and she invited these, these Pentecostals from, down, from up the road to come into the Catholic Church and talk to a group of 17 and 18-year-olds about how Jesus had changed their lives. It, it was radical. They came in, they shared what Jesus meant to them, and I'd been watching these guys for about a year and at my high school, how, how God had changed their lives. First, their, 
they got their hair cut, and there were all these guys that were in the smoking area. They were the drug users, and scary guys. I stayed away from those guys. But I watched them that their eyes changed. And I went up to one of them that I'd gone to church with since kindergarten. I said, John, man, I noticed you guys have really changed. What, what's going on? And, oh, he got really excited. He got sort of thrilled. He's like, Phil, oh, I became a Christian. And I said, well, John, wait a minute, man. We, you know, we go to the Catholic church. We've been Christians our whole lives. No, no, see, I, I asked Jesus to be my personal savior. And I'm like, that's great, John. That's very cool, really good. Backing up. But about a year later, after watching him and watching all these other guys, Holy Spirit had been wooing me, drawing me. Plus, I got in a lot of trouble at school. My parents were going to send me to a military academy. I knew I needed to make a change. So when these guys came into our confirmation class on a Sunday night, and they talked about how Jesus had changed their lives, this one guy's up front, and he said, I just prayed and asked Jesus to come into my life and be my personal Savior. And he said, and Jesus will accept you. And I'll turn to the guy next to me. He said, is that all I have to do? He said, yeah. I said, well, can I do it now? He said, well, why don't you wait? Because he's probably going to pray. <laughs> so I waited. He prayed. And I prayed that prayer with him. And in an instant, I went from knowing about Jesus and learning about him in Catholic Church all my life to knowing him personally and deeply, having a revelation of who he was. And I began to weep and weep <laughs> as a 17-year-old jock, you know, with, in, in, with all my classmates around me. I just didn't care. It didn't matter. I, I knew, I knew Jesus at that moment. <laughs> it says in Romans 5, 6, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God, he demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I'm a product of the 80s. So when Ronald Reagan, someone tried to, John Hinckley tried to assassinate Ronald Reagan in the 80s, this verse really came alive for me because there were Secret Service guys and all kinds of people jumping in the way trying to save Ronald Reagan's life. You see, very rarely would anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. And they did. One of the Secret Service agents, actually, I think a Boston police officer, died that day. And I know another man got a bullet through the head. He survived. But there were these people that stepped in the way of this good man. So let's think about that. For a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's that mean? If we can take someone in, our, in the news today that's not, you know, let's, let's say Putin. And someone tries to assassinate Putin. Would any of us 
dare to stand in the way and take a bullet for him? Or would we stand back and let it happen? Putin, to us, to many of us, is the enemy. So none of us, it's very rare that any of us would, would think of stepping in the way and taking a bullet for him in, in a very real sense without Christ in our lives we have a barrier we're separated from God and so while we are still sinners Christ took the bullet for us you see the punishment for our sins is eternal death God righteous he can't allow unrighteousness to come into heaven and be in his presence so Jesus, being a perfect, righteous man, stepped in the way of our eternal destruction. And he took, he took the penalty. He took the penalty. And the simple fact is, by appropriating, by acknowledging Jesus, you, you did that for me. I was in that place. You, you, you did that for me. Jesus says to us, come home. Be welcomed into the family by appropriating his death and then his resurrection from the dead. He gives us eternal life. Life with him eternally. And also, he gives us the Holy Spirit we're resurrected to new life, to live a new kind of life on the earth. That's the foundation that the Apostle Paul is talking about. He determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified among the Corinthians. So I know most of us have heard the gospel many, many times. And I appreciate your patience as I worked through that gospel message. That's the foundation that Paul is talking about, that he built the revelation in the Corinthians on. And then others came in and began to build on that foundation. Christ is the foundation. And then it's interesting, Paul shifts from talking about those who are, are the, are, have received the foundation. And he talks about us being the field and the building and the temple. And then he begins to talk about, talk to those who are doing the building. And he's got some very cautionary words for those who are doing the building. And I think there's application for those who preach and teach but also for each one of us in this specific piece of Scripture. Each one of you should build with care. He talks about gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it 
to life. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he's built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss and yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. So he's talking about two different kinds of building material. Gold, silver, and precious stones. And then wood, hay, and straw. Now, there, the distinction between those two is that... Is it time for you to come up already? Yeah? Oh, it's so good. This is perfect timing. <laughs> God is the one who created gold, silver, and precious stones. So when we build with those materials, those are the materials that last into eternity. But if we try to build with wood, hay, and straw, those are things that come out of our own abilities. If you're trying to please God in your own ability with wood, hay, and straw, if you're trying to please God by being a good Christian like Jesse was talking about earlier, if you're trying to position yourself in the right way to get God's favor, you're missing it. That's the wood, hay, and straw. And when we pass from this life into the next, it will be burned up. But if we build with what God provides by listening to Holy Spirit, by engaging with Jesus and doing what he did, Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. If we only do what we hear Holy Spirit speak to us, that's gold, precious uh, silver and precious stones. A friend of mine, you can start playing if you'd like. A, a friend of mine was in the hospital. She was a believer. But she got bl uh, blood that was tainted. She got bad blood in a transfusion. And she died. And in the moment that she passed from this life into the next, she saw herself standing before this curtain of fire and she passed through this fire and she held something small in her hands on the other side of the fire was Jesus and she saw Jesus and then she looked at her hands and she said what is this and he said that's your reward and it was a little pile of gold and she looked at Jesus and she said it's not enough not enough and he touched her and she immediately was back into her body on the operating or not on the operating table but but in the emergency room and she she grabbed her husband by the shirt and pulled him down and she said it's not enough it's not enough the lesson that she took away from that was it's the small moments of obedience to Jesus, to listening to his voice that bring gold into our lives. Those are the moments that will count now and in eternity. And you know what's amazing? Even those things that you regret in life, 
you are so redeemed by the blood of Jesus that even those things that you regret in your life, those things can become gold in the kingdom. When we share our testimony, we talk about what Jesus has done for us, how he's changed us, how he's moved in our lives. I want to encourage you that the wisdom of God that Paul talks about in this last section, the wisdom of God is Christ and him crucified. The wisdom of God is living your life out of the presence of Holy Spirit. It's inviting the fire of God into your life now. Inviting him now. Holy Spirit, burn up those things that are of my flesh. Holy Spirit, burn the things up that are immaturity, the resentments, the anger, the arguing, the, the separation from others. Holy Spirit, burn those things up. Let there only be left the gold from you, the silver from you, the precious jewels from you. I want to invite you, if you want the fire of God, if you want Jesus to come into your life, I want you to pray with me right now. I'm going to pray this simple prayer where you can ask Jesus to come into your life, be your personal Lord and Savior. And then we're going to pray and ask Holy Spirit to bring His fire, His holy fire into our lives to burn out those things that are from us, that are not pleasing to Him, that won't last into eternity. God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. I'm so grateful that you sent your precious, beloved son to take the bullet for me, for us. You died in our stead. And then Jesus, through the strength of of God, you were raised from the dead and you defeated death so that those of us who love you, who accept you, will never face that death. We'll never face that, that judgment. We're redeemed. We're loved. We can receive your love. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you sent us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you, send us your fire. Send us your fire. Your sweet voice, Holy Spirit. It says in Psalms, if there's any, any way you see in me, Father, that's not pleasing to you, cleanse me. David said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He saw what happened to Saul. David loved you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we love you. We listen to you. Send your fire. Cleanse us. 
We desire the gold, the silver, and the precious stones. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thanks, Jesus. Hey, um, come on. Let's just stand as we worship. I I went in there uh, to tell Tani that we were going to run a little late today. As I go in there, it literally looked like there was a fog in the room. And she turns to me, and she's talking to these four kids while like six of them are like, they have a little worship team, and they're just getting, just worshiping their hearts out. And she goes, says, just fire of God. It's literally in this room. I'm like, it looks smoky, actually. Um, and, and, um, and they all just piled onto me and started laying hands on me, and I just got lit. And so I was like, y'all need to come in here and lay hands on us. And so as David leads us in this song, do you have a song? Yeah? Okay. We're just going to let them lay hands on you guys, all right? If you need to get closer, come and get closer. You don't have to. You, can, you don't have to spread out if you don't want to. I'm sure they will find you. Um, if, if you don't want them to lay hands on you, just say, oh, thank you, though. I'm okay. Um, but you're going to want... You're going to want these, these kids. They've just been, they've been just fiery in love with Jesus. Are you guys, are these kids ready? All right. They, they tell them, they literally, they, they just started laying hands on me. So go ahead, Stephen. And, and whenever you need to leave, I bless you to leave. Like, you don't have to stick around if you don't want to. Honestly, we all got stuff going on. But I, this is it for time if you want to be here. So sings. My soul sings, my soul sings, how I love you, my soul sings, my soul sings, my soul sings, how I love you, my soul sings, my soul
Serve the glory. 